The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined today, as always, on Thursday by Mark Immelman for our first round recap of the Memorial Tournament presented by Nationwide. Can't forget that. And we're also on YouTube today. So if you're taking a listen here and you want to jump over there and take a watch, uh, we always appreciate that. And you can say hello. Mark, what's what going on? Hey, man, I'm back from the golf course. It was a fun, geez, it was a fun day. It was a hard day. Uh, but it was sort of exhilarating in a in a funny sort of a way, you know. It wasn't like a birdie bonanza or anything, but it was it was cool to be out there with uh, that feature group of Brooks and Rory and of course Tiger. Yeah, those guys are. Uh, I mean, that was definitely the featured group of the day. It generated so much excitement, and knowing those guys were going to get on the golf course, it was uh, it, it was just extremely exciting. This one had, and it's really because of one guy. It had the feel of a major championship. But then, as the day got going. The feel, that major championship feel as a viewer kind of picked up even more. I mean, there were many times during the day. I mean, Tiger Woods is through three holes, and all of a sudden he's tied for third in the tournament uh, at, at two under par. And, you know, we haven't seen that very often. We typically see guys get out early. They get way out ahead. And if you're early on and around, if you're sitting at even par, I mean, you got to keep scrolling to find that name on the leaderboard. So what did you make of the conditions today? The difficulty of, of the golf course out there? Uh, what, what is it out there that you could see that as viewers, we were maybe missing? Well, just, I mean, I'm sure you would have seen on the, uh, from the pictures, the golf course was just playing firm. The fairways were running out. And when the fairways run out, that brings rough into play. And when you're playing out of the rough, the rough was punitive. I mean, it was long, um, but it's the grass is dry right now because we haven't had much rain or much watering over the last little bit. So you could pretty well advance the ball out of the rough. Now, if we get some overnight rain or some rain, this stuff will be just downright nasty. But aside, so if the ball runs, it gets in the rough, then you're playing defense and the greens were firm. The ball was bouncing hard when it was landing. And, and then they were fast. And, and then you couple that with speed and the slope and, and some wins. It was, it was some hairy putting at times. And, and you had to be very precise. You had to strike the ball well if you wanted to hold some of these targets. And so it was the ultimate major championship test. And, and Tiger especially, to me, kind of looked like he, he adopted that mindset when he got in there. He didn't really play very aggressively. He was quite circumspect in, in some decision making and, and just sort of plotted his way around you know it was that thing of you know you're not going to win, you're not going to win on thursday but you can certainly lose it and i saw that sort of mindset definitely from tiger and perhaps to a certain extent from mcelroy too well tiger is definitely uh, going to be the topic of conversation especially for us after the break um but mark on the golf course i, I think what you were mentioning here for a firmer and faster greens longer rough and what i noticed was more wind and and we haven't really had much wind since the restart out on the pga tour at least looking at the trees 
it looked like it was significantly more today than it has been throughout the rest of the restart. And when, when I look at that kind of a setup, that combination of factors, that's what challenges PGA tour players. It's not fast greens on them on the, by themselves. If, if you just increase the speed of the greens, I don't know how much more difficult that really makes it. But when you add wind to the equation, as you mentioned, you add long rough to the equation, all of a sudden the precision, the demand for precision really increases. And I think that's why we saw some, uh, some high scores out there, some surprising high scores, which we'll get into in a little bit as well. But, uh, but our leader through one round is, uh, is Tony Finau. And Tony Finau sits at six under. He shoots five under on the back nine. Uh, didn't necessarily hit a lot of fairways. Didn't hit a ton. Of, I guess 13 was a, it, it was a lot of greens. The average greens of regulation was right around, it was between 50 and 60%. I want to say 56% last I saw. And he basically made a lot of putts out there. When you looked at uh, the the round of Tony Finau, what do you make? Is this something, are, are we about to see a breakthrough of Tony, for Tony Finau this week? <laughs> you sound desperate in that question. because yeah. <laughs> uh, You know what? People, we need to recognize first with Tony Finau that since the PGA Tour's return to competition after the COVID pandemic, he's played three events. I'm just looking at the numbers real fast. He played Charles Schwab, he played the Heritage, he missed the cut in the Travelers, and he played the Rocket Mortgage. So that's four events. He's only shot over par one time, and that's in 14 rounds. 13 of 14 rounds, he's shot under par. So it's not like Tony has been playing badly. He just hasn't been spectacular just yet. You know, he hasn't had that day when stuff has just sort of gone electric a little bit and you get on runs. So he had the week off after Detroit, went home, uh, shot 59 on a course where he held. So now apparently now he's seeing balls go in the hole. And oftentimes with a PGA Pro, PGA Tour Pro, when that stuff starts happening, that starts feeding on itself, really. And then he had that uh, event there on social media where he and his coach Boyd Summerays talked about power because he's the preeminent power guy on the tour when he wants to hit one. I mean, he, he cruises at like um, 80 mile an hour most of the time or, or 80%, I should say. Uh, and then so he went out there and launched one at 206 miles an hour, which is that is freaking unheard of. I mean, that, that's making Bryson look pedestrian. And so he's talked about, well, maybe we'll start working some of this into the game, but we've got to be able to do this and hit it straight. But anyway, long long story short, he gets yet to a place. He's got some confidence. has seen some putts going in. He shot 59. And then he plays in that charity match yesterday afternoon and looked just positively invincible. Uh, the guy shot six under on his own golf ball. They had a straight driving contest on 17, the par four. He hit the thing like almost 400 yards down the fairway and a foot away from the white target line down the middle of the fairway. Now, if you hit the ball that far and straight and then you make putts, that is a recipe for just success no matter where you go. So I, I think there's a little something special happening right now. And I know it's early days, but, but that 66 this afternoon, that was a heck of a round of golf. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's one concern that I have. You mentioned the 59, which I love. Rick and I talked about that a little bit on Tuesday. How much does that go over? You bring up something really interesting about seeing the ball go in, which I think is valuable. But I heard Jack Nicholas say something on the broadcast today that really, uh, it made me kind of raise my eyebrows. And it was something that I, I may have heard him say before, but today it really struck a chord. And he said, I want to I start 
I, I don't want to be at my best on Thursday. I want to, I want to be gradually getting better until Saturday when I want to be at my very best. And then I want to roll that over into Sunday. So he wanted to play, just kind of get going on Thursday. As you said earlier, Mark, you don't, you don't want to lose it on Thursday and then a little better Friday. And then by Saturday, you're playing your very best. And he said, if I went out and shot 63, a real low round on Thursday, it was much harder to hold on to the lead. And that was the part. I mean, I mean, building yourself up and understanding how you're going to get to a position where you're, uh, where you're playing your best for Saturday and Sunday, that almost, that seems a little obvious. But when he said, if I shot 63 on Thursday, I had a harder time holding on to the finishing off the tournament. That's what really made me raise my eyebrows. And I think of a Tony Finau, and this is a great round, but is he going to have similar struggles to what the great uh, Jack Nicholas has struggled with in his career, as he, as he admitted today, um, by shooting that great round too early in the tournament? So we'll see what happens. Uh, it's interesting to me. That's a good question. If I might just build on that a little bit. Um, I've I've heard Jack say that, and and I've heard well. He said it a bit more uh, in a different way when I heard him say it. He said, "I just wanted to make sure I conserved energy because stuff starts getting real on Saturday. So I wanted my best game to start showing up then." Uh, and and you know, Tony didn't shoot sixty three today, um, and he can effectively, you know, put a bit of a bit of space between him and the field if he goes out and has a good day tomorrow. So the, the truth of it is, I, I'd rather play from the front. Uh, it's it's I know it's, it's it's difficult to be hunted and it's easier to swing free when you kind of the hunter, but Tony can get out and do something special tomorrow and then build on this sort of thing and he has the kind of the moxie about him and all the weapons to take this event by the throat scruff of the throat because the way he plays the golf course is essentially a par sixty eight, and if he just goes and plays to par from now on, okay, that's twelve add six that's eighteen under. No one's catching that. It's not going to happen. But yeah the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Well, definitely uh, easier said than done, but it is a good point. I mean, you of course would rather be ahead than behind, right? You're going to be gaining momentum. These strokes that he's gained putting are strokes that he's going to have with them for the rest of the round. So, uh, and the rest of the tournament. So uh, put them in the bank and, and save them. And hopefully on Sunday, which all the work you did today will come back and pay off uh, a lot more to get to Mark, especially Tiger Woods. Uh, Tiger Woods was back out on the golf course. He played a really nice round today. I can't wait to get your thoughts. Mark, you were on the call, but we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Tiger Woods next. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. Uh, okay, Mark, you were on the grounds today with 
the great Tiger Woods. And it was a, it was a, I would say a, um, an interesting round today. He gets in at one under par, which I thought was pretty good after a long layoff. It was kind of that steady round. And it looked to me like he was conserving energy. Like you mentioned before, uh, like he didn't kind of let it all out there too early. I, I, it looks like he still has a little bit more in the tank, but from your perspective, being on the ground with him there, what did you make of that round today? It was, it was academic. It was strategic. It was thought out. I thought, I, I thought as I saw Tiger Woods play and he never really extended himself very much, Greg. I mean, the golf swing looked under control the entire time, even with a driver. Um, he didn't really ever get, um, like I'm going to say get Brasson on anyway. He just looked like he just heaved the club around and, and let one go. It was a very, very clinical performance from a Tiger Woods. And it almost appeared to me that Tiger had a sense for what the conditions were going to be like. And he had a sense for the value of par, the way the golf course was playing. And so he's like, well, I'm just going to do what I have to do to just sneak this thing under par and continue to build on that. Because look, let's be honest, today's round, it's a nice way to ease your way back into competition, get a feel for how the body feels, how the golf swing feels, how the putting stroke feels, that sort of stuff. But he has been the ultimate at putting together an event, you know, a couple under in the first round, a few more in the second round. Then he'd build on that on the weekend and all of a sudden he ends up at the top of the leaderboard because Woods knew when he was at his best, the more time you gave him, the less likely people were going to were to beat him. And, and it looked to me like that mindset was on the go today where he was like, I'm just not going to do anything dumb and waste any strokes. And it was, it was kind of a vintage major championship performance really. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of too. It reminded me of tiger kind of creeping up uh, on the prey in a major championship, understanding where it's been what has always amazed me. And I think it's been the most underrated aspect of Tiger Woods career is his, uh, his general knowledge, his tactician, you, you call it academic, which I, I love that term. He understands the game and he understands the flow of a tournament better than anybody. And that's how he can peak at the right moment. And it's something that I, I don't think Tony Fino has quite learned yet. It's something Tiger has mastered and Jack had a, a very good feel for it. And, and with what he said today, it was, um, it, it was kind of highlighted. So I look at the round that Tiger played. It was, it was steady. There's definitely some things to clean up. Um, but from what you were looking at today, did you see any, any rust out there? Was there anything that was a, a little bit concerning? Were you concerned with the putter at all? Maybe, maybe the, some of the short game. You know what? I, I heard Jack on our show talk about, you know, he, he looked a little rusty and I heard Tiger's comments afterwards where he said he looked a little rusty, but the truth of it is they're just certain putts. Look, he didn't make putts that he would normally make, but certain putts when you had to marry speed break and then wind on reads, you weren't going to fill the thing up unless you were punning from a certain sort of a situation. And the few of the putts that he had were kind of putts that you had to be a little defensive on. But what I did notice was he just didn't sort of lavish, lavishly go and attack flags. Like in the approach shot on nine where he was in the right side of the fairway, wind out of the right, and he had to carve one in there. Tiger in contention would try and cut it harder against the wind. Tiger today just hit it to 30 feet. And I saw that on 14. 14 was in the middle of the fairway, just 128-ish, 130-ish. Just clipped a little wedge in there, hit the left side of the green, spun down the hill to 15 feet. Tiger on Sunday, if he's chasing, goes off that whole location a bit more. 
Uh, and, and so there was there was that sort of way about him. So maybe if he was rusty because he didn't feel 100% physically, I couldn't see that. I just saw a guy that looked like he was very much trying not to do anything rash on a Thursday. And so um, we talk about it all the time, right? Thursday's a day, especially around major championships. Thursday's a day for position. Friday and Saturday, especially Saturday, begins kind of moving day. When you look at Tiger Woods, what did you what do you expect going forward? Did you think today's round lends to a positive performance going forward, or do you think that this is kind of what we're going to get throughout the week? Or what what do you what are you expecting going forward out of Tiger? I expect him to build on this just like he used to when he was at his very best. I mean, he's one under now through one round, and that that birdie putt he made on the 18th that was huge, I think, for the psyche. Yeah. The morning he starts his day on the back nine with some fresh greens. Heck, you part 10, then you've got a reachable five and 11. You hopefully pick one off there. 14 is a birdie opportunity. 15 is reachable. I mean, if he does the right thing, he could be at four under par through 27 holes. And then you now pick, you're right there in the mix. Or, yeah, you pick off one or two more on the fives on the front side, then you're six under. And I'll tell you what, he'd jump at six under right now through two rounds because he knows that that's not going to be very far off the lead. So, so not- what do you think? Uh, were you seeing a weather report? Because I, I noticed definitely more wind today. The weather report I saw, we're looking at like five mile an hour winds for basically for the rest of the week. Are you thinking that's going to make the golf course play a little easier? Are scores going to improve? Or do you think the firmness of the greens and the speed of the greens is kind of enough to keep that score around the six under mark? Well, I was out there um, yesterday afternoon and I talked to a number of players and even then on Wednesday afternoon practice round, they were talking about how the golf course was firming up Uh, and I caught up with Poulter and he said, you know, par is going to be a good score because it's not going to be 18 under this week or 19 under whatever it was last week. Uh, GMAC said the same thing. Webb Simpson said the same thing. Um, So I think all the players sort of know, even if the wind doesn't blow, just the way the golf course is playing and some of the whole locations they can set out there. I think, you know, par will still be a good score. But like I, I think I mentioned a couple of days ago, the way this whole thing's shaping up, oh, yes, the Bob Jones reference, you know, Carlin Spieth, me and Bob Jones. Jones said at Augusta National, he believes that if you play well, you should be able to shoot in the 60s. So 469s is a good score. I still think 469 is a good score. And I think uh, a lot of guys, if you had to offer them 12 under par tonight, they'd be like, give me that. I'll sit around and see what happens. Yeah. And it could be a good mark. I mean, you know, we, we've kind of talked about this and how this golf course can produce big numbers. If you get on the wrong side, it was accentuated today. You got Dustin Johnson shooting. You heard it here. I mean, 80 (laughs) Dustin Johnson. Okay. He won the last time he played. He shot 80 today. Uh, you had Ricky Fowler. He shot 81 today. Uh, Victor Hovland, Justin Thomas with 74s. Colin Morikawa shot 76. Matt Kuchar, Webb Simpson. These guys shot 76, a 77 out of Matthew Wolf. And I'm not picking on these guys. It's just, it, it's a highlight to how difficult the golf course is um, with this group, Mark. What do you think about this group? Is there a, a number? Where, like, where do you anticipate the cut to be? Is there anybody in here that you think can get themselves back in, if not in contention of the tournament, and maybe get themselves back into a top 10 kind of position? Well, the logical one would be Justin Thomas. You know, he's a couple over in the cut when I last checked after day one, was sitting at two over. So, you know, more of the same. Let's say it remains two, maybe sneaks to three. Um, you know, for a Marikawa or someone, you know, who's four over, 
you get out and you shoot 70 tomorrow afternoon and you get back to, you know, two over, one over, you're in shape. I, I feel like if you're even par or better through 36 holes, you're in good order because then you go and do something quick and special Saturday morning and then very much you, you, you're in the story because the golf course normally starts to play firmer and faster and more difficult come the afternoons and the weekends. So uh, any one of those guys, if they just play soundly, they, they can get back. Yeah. The, the key about this place, Greg, is that if you make threes on the par threes, which are challenging, and you make fours on the par fives, which are all reachable and kind of the soft, the underbelly of the golf course, you've got the nucleus of a round, you're sitting at four under par. And then you just got to sort of hang around. So if you look at it that way and you're like, I'll just get the fives and play the threes well, you know, you can still, these four over guys can still get themselves back to even pretty easily. Yeah. I, I wonder about a DJ or a Ricky. It's probably more of a challenge for those guys to make the cut at, at eight over. So I, I think that's going to be uh, a little bit more challenging. But, um, but, but moving forward here to tomorrow, expectations for tomorrow. Mark, was there a player? that you saw today or uh, maybe some numbers that you looked at that kind of stood out to you. Is there a, I know you're looking at strokes gain. I know you got the calculator out and you're clicking around wondering, okay, who's going to win tomorrow. Let me look at the numbers. <laughs> uh, who, who'd you see out there? Who do you like for tomorrow? Well, you know, that's a hard question. Um, I, I saw a, an, a sort of an aggravated Rory McElroy through a portion of his round. And then I saw Rory sort of, hit a bit of a run of form where he made a few birdies. And then I saw Rory sort of grind out a few pars coming down the stretch. He made a heck of a par in 16 after hitting a sensational iron that he couldn't hold the green with on the downhill par three. And then he made an unreal save from about a hundred yards for par on 17. And that kept him at two under where if that gets away from him, all of a sudden he shoots even and he's probably at dinner right now aggravated. So I'm looking at a Rory who didn't have his best and sort of scrapped out 70. So I, I'm, I'm scheming, you know, this afternoon, 70. Tomorrow morning, fresh greens. i got my eye on McElroy. And then yeah. I'm, I'm going to do this for, for, for Kyle Porter as well. Um, jo- I know it's not the weekend yet, but Jordan Spieth, that was, a good, stamp. Yeah, that, was a, that was a good day for a guy who didn't really, hasn't really been that – he's been inconsistent coming in yet. Now, granted, there was an eagle on 11 and a double on 12 – but 70 for Spieth was a good day's work, and I'm sure he's feeling pretty good about himself right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, Mark. I, I think uh, the only question – I just still have questions about Jordan. He's so he's so unpredictable. You see him start his round. It's kind of like he has been all season. Makes an eagle. Oh, Jordan's too – oh, and then he gives it back on number 12, which is ironic that it's number 12. Um, but anyway, uh, that's just besides the point, I think Rory's a great pick. John Rahm's another guy, though, who pops right in there uh, with a 69 today. And it was kind of an impressive, steady round. So nice to see John Rahm in good form. I think he's a guy you have to watch out for going into the weekend. And, and I want to give you one dark horse. Uh, I guess you could call him a dark horse. But um, Joaquin Neiman stands out to me when I look at this round. He gains... 3.4 T uh, to green and he loses 2.5 putting. Now I know he's not a great putter, but for Joaquin Neiman, who sits at one over par, if he can just kind of get to average, right? We talk about this all the time, but if he can just get himself to average, he has the firepower to go really low and he's hitting it really well. So I'm looking for something in the mid sixties for Joaquin Neiman tomorrow. Uh, maybe high, maybe high sixties is more fair. Maybe like 68, four under or so. Would be a really good round for him, and I think he's got it in him. 
Hey, I've got to give you a dark horse too because my picks are absolutely shot to doo doo um, after round one. I had a yeah, pick. let's hear another one. Uh, my boy Bez, you know, for my low South African, is still looking in good shape. Um, he was one over through nine and then made four birdies in the back and doubled his last hole for 72, Christian Besaidnote. So I, I'm, I'm looking for him. You know, he would have he would have been pretty psyched about, you know, being under par for a long time on a, on a difficult day today. So um, I, I'm keen to see how he goes through the rest of the event. Yeah, I'll be I'll be keeping my eye on it for sure, Mark. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and joining. Great job on the coverage today. I love hearing your insight. Hey, you get Mark Immelman all day long these days, so it's great. You can find him on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find me on Twitter at The Real GFD. Uh, and as for us here at the first cut, that's all we got for you. Make sure you stick around, catch our action throughout the rest of the week after each round. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.